sometimes you know, I'm sad to see the kids go out because they're so excited about being in church. You know, sometimes my little girl wants to run around and dance, and, and sometimes I look out at the congregation and some people look like this. And uh, today is a day of celebration, church. Uh, there's a lot to be excited about, uh, about what God has done in history and in our lives and in this church. But I want to ask a question as we begin today, just as you review your life and, and how you feel even now, have you ever felt powerless? Have you ever felt like you just don't have enough energy? And if you have lots of kids, you probably feel like that on a regular basis. Um, a tiredness, feeling run down, or even empty. Now, I plan to answer some of that. Even though you feel that way, there is an answer to that. And it made me think about something this week as I was preparing the message. I can still recall a movie called Sling Blade that came out in the 90s. Raise your hand if you remember the movie. It's a strange movie uh, about a hospitalized man named Carl. And, uh, you know, he's released from this mental uh, hospital, and he's trying to adjust back into society. Um, and he doesn't really have good social skills. And he's trying to adapt to things, and he kind of has this weird way of talking, and he, he grunts a lot. Mm-hmm. He said, I like mustard biscuits. Uh-huh. He just talks like that. It is funny. It's hilarious. It was so awkward and weird. Like my dad, he's a character. My older brother's a character. My brother in the 90s had a voicemail where you would call, and he would say, you've reached Forrest Gump, and leave a message. And he would do Forrest Gump. Forrest was awkward. And my dad would do Carl. Mm-hmm, you've reached Carl. <laughs> it was hilarious. Uh, but the funny thing about Carl is that he was really handy with small engines. And there's a scene in the movie, I remember it well, and it's really cool, and all these you know, uh, guys are trying to figure out what is wrong with this tiller or this lawnmower, and they end up calling Carl over to find out what it is. And what does Carl do? He opens the gas tank, and he basically says this, ain't got no gas in it. It just, it didn't have any fuel. A simple answer solved the entire problem of this device, this, this engine. And the reason I share that with you today is that I think that many are dealing with this ongoing powerlessness, an ongoing emptiness. And maybe you feel empty today. And here's the thing. You can be full again. You can be filled by God. You can have a full tank even in this economy we are dealing with today. You can have a full tank again, and it is free from God. But to be honest, the culture has become so anti-Christ that God is systematically being removed from all areas of life that, he has, that our culture has left millions feeling empty. And I think that can also be said about Christians, not just people in the world and those who do not believe, but many Christians uh, feel the same way. Many of us are running on fumes and even empty in our Christian walk. We're trying to find the answer to this emptiness. And this is what we say, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, but I'm struggling in this. You feel like something is missing, and the problem can be solved simply. We need to be filled with God again. 
We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Scriptures teach us to actually do that. That we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to deal with that with you today. And before we get into the Scriptures, as you know, once a month we've been repeating something from Paul's letter to Timothy. And we repeat it because it deals with the Scriptures. So repeat this after me. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is useful. To teach us what is true. To make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. And teaches us to do what is right. Uh, Alright, when we say God breathe, that is the pneuma. That is the Holy Spirit. When we're reading the Scriptures, they are spiritual. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us. So we're going to look at Acts again. Jessica already read a portion of that from chapter 1, that we are to receive power from the Holy Spirit. And then in chapter 2, the power comes. When the day of Pentecost arrived, Penta, 50, 50 days from Easter Sunday. Seven Sundays. The, these Disciples have been meeting with Jesus. They've seen Him. He's risen from the grave. They've watched Him ascend into heaven. And He has told them to wait for this promise. And they were gathered together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house when, while they were sitting a lot of uh, some churches, they're trying to work up the Spirit. I want you to know on the original day of Pentecost, they were actually sitting and praying and seeking God, and the Holy Spirit showed up mightily. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Something visible that they were able to see. And church, this is what I love here, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. Let's pray together today. God in heaven, we love you, and we thank you for the sacred times you've given us, that we can look back and remember that you have died on the cross for us, that you rose again to give us victorious life, and that you were also buried, that the old man was buried, and that we can be raised to life and newness of life in you. But Lord, there was something else that happened. You ascended. You're at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. That's where you are right now. And the Father has given us the Spirit. And I pray as a church that we understand the power that has been given to us. And that we are to actively seek you and live in the power of God. And that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I pray that we hear from heaven today. And Lord, I pray that we empty ourselves. That we remove any distractions from our mind and our heart that we concentrate on the high priority that Christ is risen, that we have power from heaven to live out this Christian life, and that we do have eyes to see the kingdom, ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church today, that we may live in obedience to You, to be a holy people as we're sent out into this world. We love You today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I love the book of Acts. It's a radical book that reveals what happens when God's people are filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit and are fully submissive to God and obedient to Him. And and in this time, just reading through the book of Acts, they encounter all kinds of evil and wickedness in the world, and they turn the world right side up. I mean, demons are driven out. 
Churches are established in pagan areas where they used to worship uh, false gods and Christianity is established. The world was turned right side up as they preached the Gospels. People received the good news. Entire families were saved. Entire cities are turning to Jesus. Yet in recent years, the church has struggled 2,000 years later with its place in the world. And a lot of churches are trying to be more and do life like the world does. We have tried to do spiritual things in the church without the power of God. Let's do this next thing. I've read this thing. We need to do this. And God is not even invited into what people want to do. We're seeing an emptying of churches. Largely because Christians and churches are operating without the infilling of the Holy Spirit. If we want our churches filled again, God's people have to be filled with the Holy Spirit again. That we are empowered by God to preach boldly His truth in the world. They have been warning about this issue in church throughout Christian history. In 1890, raise your hand if you know who William Booth is. He's the one who started the Salvation Army. And even now, here it is, the Salvation Army is becoming woke But he and the Salvation Army were approaching the turning of the century, the 20th century, and he wrote this at this time. I consider that the chief dangers which confront the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost. Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, which is done by the Holy Spirit, politics without God, and heaven without hell. He said that going into the 20th. And here we are in the 21st century, and we've seen this actually happen. And and just as we needed last week to return to the Great Commission, we also need to return to the power of Pentecost. That God has given the Holy Spirit. And He said, "When, when you are given the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. And you will go out and and establish churches. You will preach the good news and people will believe. And far too many Christians today have lived on the right side of the cross, but on the wrong side of Pentecost. We say we believe in Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for our sins. We believe He rose again. We celebrate that at Easter. And then we go on just trying to be a saved people. And here's the deal. We've forgotten to talk about the Holy Spirit. That we have power to overcome sin. We've created these cycles where people say, I've sinned, and I just keep confessing my sin and saying, I'm just this woe is me Christian. But we have the Holy Spirit. We are born again, born from above, where we can be made holy in Christ. Now, I have a few things to share about the Holy Spirit today. Here's something else. Um, You've heard people say, all I need is Jesus, or it's just me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. Church, we need the Holy Spirit. You need Jesus Christ You need His power. You need the Father's love. We need the Holy Spirit today. So let's learn about the Holy Spirit. Again, together in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived and they're waiting for this, they are anticipating the giving of the Holy Spirit. And here it says, they were all together in one place. And one of the first things that we need to see is that the believers were gathered all together in one place. They weren't out in different pockets trying to do their own thing. And what a great reminder for the church today. Uh, they were not separatists from the church. They were not isolationists. 
They're just waiting for the Holy Spirit. They're doing life together. They're praying together. They're praising God together. And they were not doing their own thing. And as soon as I meet people that try to do their own thing or they don't believe that they should be part of a church, I watch them walk away from Christ. They are susceptible to Satan, deceiving them and destroying their life. Here, they knew that they needed one another. And church, we need one another. It tells us in chapter 1 that it was around 120 people gathered together. And this is a beautiful thing. That's about how many we have on a, on a regular Sunday. 120, sometimes 130. This is church unity. That we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in one another. These are the things we agree on. There's solidarity. There's loyalty to one another over what the world has to offer. And that's something we need to take for granted. We need to take it. That we have the body of Christ. And I want you to know as we deal with sickness in our church and we deal with death and all kinds of needs, uh, a coworker might say, I'm sorry you're going through this. And every once in a while you may get a coworker that helps um, to pat themselves on the back or maybe they're a Christian. But the church is here to love one another. And I want to thank you for all that you've been doing. Serving and helping and loving and giving that we can help God's people in their time of need. This happens in the body of Christ. They depended on God together. They did this together. Throughout the Old Testament, God's people were called together to hear from God. At Mount Sinai, throughout church history, they gathered together to hear from God. The phrase together here, hamathamadon, the Greek word, um, this one of one mind together, with one accord, it's almost musical. Various notes are played, and, and, and though they're different, they harmonize in pitch and tone together as they are directed in this great concert, the Master. Uh, the concert master. So the Holy Spirit blends our lives together as Christians, though we're all different. We are harmonized in unity with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and one another. The term together here is used 12 times in the New Testament. Eleven of those are found in the book of Acts, and most of them are dealing with the church. You will read it. I have a few verses here. Uh, Acts 1-4, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Where? Together. With women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Acts 2-46, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They were doing this together. Acts 4.24, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. They heard about the apostles being persecuted. They lifted their voices to God together, prayed that God would give them boldness to continue to preach the gospel. Acts 5.12, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together. That's pretty a consistent theme throughout the New Testament and the church. Uh, letters were written to churches because the people gathered together to hear from the apostles. Church is togetherness. And today we have a culture that will say, I love Jesus, I just don't like the church. Uh, you've heard people say, I don't like organized religion. Have you heard them say that? I've seen disorganized religion, that's pretty bad. So I'll go with organized over disorganized religion anytime. We are organized because we are doing life together in unity. Um, 
Again, people, I don't need the church. And here's the thing. The early church would have never said that. You never go through the scriptures and find this Christian said, yeah, I like Jesus, but I just don't like this Christian thing. I don't like the church. They understood that Jesus was Lord and the church was the body of Christ. Church, we need fellowship. We need one another. We need the teachings of God by gifted teachers in the church. We need accountability. I want somebody to reach out to me when I am sick and pray. We are praying for you. I want you to know that means something. When people know that you're going through a hard time and you get a text or a call and people are reaching out, that is meaningful because it is the love of God. Accountability. If you're drifting and somebody's reaching out, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. We care about you. We want to see you continuing in the ways of God. If somebody has fallen into sin, we should be loving enough to go to them and say, hey, I know that this is going on in your life. We care. We don't want you to go down that path. Um, the church has a multitude of wise counselors. The Bible tells us to walk with the wise and we become wise. We give up wisdom today for the foolishness of the world and we need to stay together for the wisdom of God. We need relationships. Um, the things that we learned last week, we are to preach the gospel together, to make disciples. And we cannot make disciples without one another. I need to be discipled and I need to be discipling other people. And we, here it is, the people need more of God. We gather together with God's people, and we get His presence. We were singing today, let your presence be here. And God's presence is here when we are present together with God. And that's what the early Christians were doing. They were gathering and waiting together for the promise. There was a promise given, given by Jesus, and He says that in, in chapter 1 of Acts. He says it throughout uh, through, uh, the Gospel of John and the Gospels. He's saying the Holy Spirit is coming, and there's going to be this baptism. So that's the second thing we're going to learn about today, church. Acts chapter 1, verses 4-5. through five. Wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, and you heard from Me. Jesus had told them this was going to happen. For John baptized with water... But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, the pneuma, not many days from now. And I love this, this promise from God. Um, and God keeps His promises, church. He says He's going to do something, and He does it. He promised the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given. There's two things I want you to see here at the beginning about baptism. There's water baptism, and there is Holy Spirit baptism. Baptism means to be submerged, to be immersed when we baptize people in water, they are immersed. They submerge into the water to identify fully with Jesus. The best definition they can find about this word baptizo uh, is to dye clothes. That you take clothes, that you dip it down into the dye, and you move it around, and it comes up, and it is fully immersed. Not it was immersed, it is still fully immersed and identified with that color. When we are baptized, we are identifying fully with Jesus as we give our public testimony of faith. But water, water baptism does not cleanse you of your sins. And I need to remind you of that. Because I've baptized people and they've left the church because I think they thought that water baptism washed away their sins and it doesn't do that. The baptism of the Holy Spirit does that. The Holy Spirit saves us and cleanses us. In fact, the Holy Spirit is a comforter and a convictor of sin. Anytime you've ever felt conviction of sin, the Holy Spirit is working in your life. It is by the Holy Spirit that we are 
born again. Jesus tells that in John chapter 3, tells us that. We were born of the Holy Spirit. The pneuma, the wind. The power of sin is broken in your life by the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to break the power of sin in our life because we become addicted to sin. These are our patterns of life and the Holy Spirit interrupts those patterns. You're cleansed from all sin. And your heart is able to be obedient to God by the Holy Spirit. The reason you are able to say yes to God and say no to sin and do what God has called you to do is by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We become a child of God by the Holy Spirit. In fact, when you're born again, the term is regeneration. You are actually regenerated. You were an old person. You were different. You were a sinner. And now you're alive in Christ. You are a saint. You're made holy. You are sanctified. You're brought into a relationship, not just with Jesus, but with the entire Trinity. And, and this is something new that I've been learning. We've not been talking about the Holy Spirit in church the way we've needed to in, in times past. It's just been believe in Jesus, come and get saved. Well, I've sinned again, come and get forgiveness. Uh, and I need Jesus again. I've lost my salvation and all this kind of stuff. And you need the power of the Holy Spirit to come into your life to establish the relationship with the Trinity. That now you've returned to the Father. And we have been saved by the Son and we have relationship with the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And here it is. They have perfect unity and relationship. And the term that describes this in Christian history is perichoresis. Isn't that a cool word? It just means the giving of self in unity. The Father gives Himself to the Son. And the Son gives Himself to the Father. And the Father gives Himself to the Spirit and likewise in all three. And it's described this way by C.S. Lewis. It's as a dance. They're giving one another. They're leading one another in this unity, in this perfect fellowship. And the Holy Spirit invites us into this relationship with God. And by the Holy Spirit, salvation is applied. We are born again. We're made a child of God. And we have fellowship now fully with the Godhead. New godly passions come into our heart by the Holy Spirit. I remember in 2003 when God was working in my heart and there was things that I loved and all of a sudden I didn't love them anymore. And I was like, what? And I actually tried to make myself continue to do the thing, but God had removed the desire and passion. So I would have new desires and passion to serve God, to love God fully. So when Jesus says we are to love the Lord God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, that is applied. And we get it. I love God with all, and even I can now love other people. Our culture is selfish. It wants to accomplish what it wants. It uses and abuses people, and the Holy Spirit invites us into this relationship with God. We love God with all, and now we can love other people. We can love one another in the church with all your faults and failures. And with all my faults and failures, that we have patience and love, and we can do this together because we know we are trying to pursue Jesus Christ. And here it is. The Holy Spirit is also returning us to the image of God. We are made in the image of God. It has been marred by the fall. We have sinned. We are saved. We are God is in the business of returning you to what He wanted you to be. And He continues to work in our life as we grow. We're not perfectly uh, sanctified. We are continually pursuing Jesus and being sanctified as we follow Him. Man, that's a lot of good news right there. I should have put it on the screen. Some of you guys are like, I'm not following that. I should have put it on the screen so we know. The Holy Spirit does a lot. 
I mean, that's just a glimpse of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. Pentecost, here it is, was a one-time event in history. The, the Holy Spirit was poured out. The church is established. When you're born again, you are actually put into the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ, the church. It is a spiritual thing. And then we are to be filled with the Spirit and live holy. These are Holy Spirit days, church. It's not just Christianity. It's not just the cross and the resurrection. The resurrection is everything. But we have the Holy Spirit, and we live in the days of the Holy Spirit. And here it is. We are to continue to be filled by the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit, but we can become empty. Here it is, Acts 2-4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. Now here in our text, it says they were all filled. Not just some of the people. They were all filled together. And, and here it is, it actually mentions tongues and, and utterances. And I don't want to spend a lot of time there. And this is basically what is happening. They were speaking, the actual word tongue is glossa. Or in some texts, glossilia. It means languages. And they began to speak in languages. And it was so specific, the Greek word is dialects. That people could hear if the Holy Spirit had arrived in the south, they would have been like, hey, well, how you doing? We got the Holy Spirit. And they were like, that's speaking my language. I, I get, let's get it done. And they got it. They were like, how is this even happening? They're hearing language in their specific dialect. And this is what's happening. We've tried to distort what is happening. And this is different when, from what Paul is talking about when the Holy Spirit was coming and they were uh, speaking other languages. In the Old Testament, raise your hand if you heard of the Tower of Babel. Genesis chapter 11, the people are united and building a tower to reach heaven, and they are united together doing their own thing separate from God. God comes down and sees what is happening. They have unity, but it is anti-Christ unity. So what does God do? He confuses them by giving them different languages. Now all of a sudden they're speaking in different dialects and different languages, and they can't get along, so they disperse and move away and join in groups with different languages. When the Holy Spirit arrived, the languages are returning back to God's language. The Holy Spirit is moving and we're preaching the gospel to all languages where they are, all nations. And the filling by the Spirit is different from the immersion of the Holy Spirit. If you've been saved, you've been immersed in the Holy Spirit. You've been baptized. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you are born again. You've been baptized into the Holy Spirit. If you haven't believed yet, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God to save you. If you are a believer, we need to be filled again. And here's the deal. It is an ongoing thing because you can become empty. Um, as you're being used of God and you're doing ministry and you're serving and you're trying to lead your family to follow Jesus, you can become depleted. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And as they continued to preach throughout the book of Acts, it says, and they were filled. Several texts here, I just have two, Acts 4, 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, he's speaking to them, he is filled again. He was filled on the day of Pentecost. He's filled again as he's preaching the gospel. Acts four thirty one, And when they had prayed, 
The place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Church, we must be continually filled. And what's interesting about this, why did they need to be filled? It gives them power from heaven to be bold to preach the things of God. Every time they received the Holy Spirit and were filled with the Holy Spirit, they preached and served. It empowered them to do what Christ has called us to do. Why are you timid when it comes to sharing the gospel with a coworker? Because you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, like I would take a moment in your car before you even go into work for the day and say, God, fill me with your spirit today that I can share the gospel and live this life out so my coworkers can see it. Lord, fill me. Again, they were filled with the Holy Spirit to speak and to serve. You know what I love about the New Testament church? They were looking for people to serve. They were struggling serving tables, serving those who were in need. And the apostles said, we need to spend time in prayer, studying the Word. So they established deacons. And this was the things, the distinctions of these deacons. They were full of faith. They were full of wisdom. And they were full of the Holy Spirit. Today we're looking for the wrong things. We need people who are filled with the Spirit of God, that have the wisdom of God, that are obedient and wanting to get dirty and serve God, serve tables, and do the ministry of the church. And here it is. We're actually commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, originally, they were filled, and they have to be continually filled, and we are commanded to be filled. Paul tells us this in Ephesians chapter 5. And do not get drunk with wine, that also means anything else that gets you drunk. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But what? The contrast. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Quit being controlled with the things of the world. Quit self-medicating and making yourself numb to the reality of the world that we're in and sin and that people need Jesus. Be filled with the Holy Spirit again that you can share the good news of God. Ongoing, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be in prayer. Be seeking His will for your life. Be led of the Spirit. Be gathering together with God's people. Be born again. Be filled. I'm going to ask Jay to come as we prepare to close. We're going to have a time to pray here at the front and at the altar for those who want to come. And here's the thing. We have a world that has been emptied of God. Um, years ago, when we were returned to the church, my wife and I were leading uh, vacation Bible schools, and I remember a young girl coming, and we were talking about the Bible. And this young girl said, what is the Bible? That was in 2003. We have a generation that has grown up that has no clue who God is, don't really understand the church, who don't understand the Scriptures, or even know what the Bible is. Because a systematic movement has removed God from the culture, the result is that people are living empty of God. Even an understanding of God. And even Christians today. Uh, many of you are struggling, regardless if it's in your marriage, in your job, in your life. You feel empty. I believe, Lord, but what is this emptiness? And here it is, church. You need to be filled. But before you can be filled... You have to empty yourself of all the things that are keeping you from being filled. You have to remove the selfishness. And maybe for some it is a sin. 
Maybe it is something that is a distraction or a temptation, but I'm going to invite you guys to come forward to pray and say, Lord, empty me of self and fill me with you again. Bow your heads. And for those who want to come, let's come and pray. Sanctify me, clean out my closet, take away anything is not pleasing to you. Purify me. Destroy all my anger. Wash away anything that is not pleasing to you. Sanctify me. You're the light to guide me. place where I am only pleasing to you
God in heaven, we love you. Lord, we thank you for those who want to empty themselves, that they may be filled. And we pray that we continue to pursue you, that we are filled from above. Lord, as we leave today, uh, Lord, we pray that we do our best to reach Casper for you. And whatever the things you are convicting us about today, Lord, that we remove them. And I pray for a boldness again. That people are able to say, you know, I'm not doing this right. And I confess it to you, God. And I ask that you cleanse me. Lord, that I draw near to you as you draw near to me. And Lord, I pray that you give us that power again. Lord, that we have uh, built tanks again, that we have the energy to serve you, that we're filled with love from above, that we love our neighbors as ourselves, and that people see that in us. I pray for those who are struggling in the workplace, Lord, with living out this Christian walk. And Lord, that they don't cower, that they're not filled with the spirit of fear, but of power and your power. And Lord, that we are a people of truth and light and love and life. And I pray you continue to move in all areas of lives, Lord, the lives of your people, families, husbands, wives. Uh, Lord, that we impact this, this community well, that more people come to believe, that more are saved, that more are sanctified, and more come to serve in your mission. We love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. And church, if you would stand as we close today. Now we have a meal. It's called Pentecost potluck. Isn't that good? It's powerful. Now I don't know if the chicken's there yet, though. So, <laughs> um, but as you leave today, go in grace and peace, and remember that we are missionaries. Go and reach Casper for Christ. Tell somebody about Jesus. Share your testimony. We have to have an impact, and we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit for people to see Christ in us. Now, before you go in grace and peace, we're going to ask God to bless the food. Because they're usually, Pastor, you didn't pray for it. So it's going to be pre-blessed before you get back there, okay? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. We thank you for continually moving in our lives. In all our lives, you have been good to us. Pray that you bless the food, bless our fellowship, bless our togetherness today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, go in grace and peace. Let's give God glory as we're leaving. You are dismissed. Bless you. This is my story.